All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, grab them. We'll be in the book of Matthew chapter 13. To start a new series we're calling Parables, looking at the parables of Jesus, Matthew 13. Well, let, let me start out by telling you, so um, anytime I watch the movie Aladdin, or really any movie that has a genie in it, it usually sparks this conversation that you've probably had at some point about if you ever had a genie and you could have three wishes, what would those wishes be? And so many times we say, but no, no extra wishes, right? And, but then we'll say, yeah, you know, I'd wish for a lot of money, or I'd, I wish that I could fly, or I wish that I could have this superpower, or I wish, uh, you know, whatever. And, and so we kind of talk about that. But I want to ask the question a little differently. What would you pay, or what would it be worth to you if you could have three wishes? If you could have a genie and get three wishes? Would you sell everything you owned? Would you pay the highest price? Would you sacrifice your own health? Would you lose relationships over it? You see, what something is worth or what value something has is always in the eye of the beholder. As the saying goes, one man's trash is another man's treasure, but something you own is only worth what someone else will pay for it. Well, the question that we must answer this morning is this. What is Jesus worth to you? What, just very simply, what is Jesus worth to you? For some, he's been worth everything. For some, people have sold everything to follow him. For some, people have given all of their lives, every moment, all of their time. For others, even people have laid down their lives and died to follow him. And so what is Jesus worth to you? When, when you look in the Bible, it's interesting. The, the one thing that never happens is that people respond moderately to Jesus. Like, like it, people either look at Jesus and they say, man, he's awesome. I want to give him a whole life. I want to sell everything I have. I want to follow him. I want to give him my whole life. I want to bow down and worship him. Or they run away. They say, you're crazy. They say, I want nothing to do with you. Or they try to kill him. There's really no middle of the road when it comes to following Jesus. And so the question is, how do you respond and what is Jesus worth to you? Our text this morning, Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 44. Matthew writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he pens these words. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then, in his joy... He goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. This is the word of the Lord. All right, so question number one is this. Where can we find spiritual treasure? Where can we find spiritual treasure? If you walked into any bookstore right now, you would find shelves and whole sections committed to uh, bettering yourself. You would find shelves and books and whole sections of books promising you a better life, promising you a better you, promising you spiritual treasure. 
You have new age gurus, you have prosperity gospel preachers, and they all want to give you five steps to your best life now. Five keys, five steps that if you do these things, your life will be changed, your life will be transformed. If you do this or do that, everything will be better. And people buy these books and they watch these videos and they go to these conferences and they seek wise sages and they meditate and they go on spiritual journeys and they do all sorts of things in a hunt for spiritual treasure to change their life. And here's the fascinating thing. So often people, as they, as they are in the search for this, and as they're not finding it and not finding it, they don't get discouraged. They don't quit. They don't give up. They just go read another book and another book. Watch it go to another conference. Watch another video. Because I think we innately believe that the nature of treasure is that it's hard to find. Like a pirate who has this lost old map and he knows that somewhere on one of these islands in the middle of the jungle is a lost, forgotten treasure, and he spends his life looking for it. In the same way, our search for spiritual treasure could go on and on, never finding it, but always searching. Because we think we know it's there. It's right, it's right there if we could just find it. If we just read the right book, if we just have the right diet, if we just make the right life change, if we just have the right spiritual practices, then we'll find it and finally be happy. But what this parable is teaching us, right out of the gate, is that that is not the way we find spiritual treasure. We don't find it by longing and searching and going hard and doing all these things. We don't need five easy steps to dig deep. We don't need, to, we don't need Oprah Winfrey to tell us how to, to meditate and find inner peace. Spiritual treasure, this parable teaches us, is not all that hard to find. In fact, it's been right in front of you the whole time. It's been right in front of your face the whole time. You see, in this parable, where was the treasure hidden? It was hidden in a field, not up on some mountaintop, not on some deserted island, not even in the catacombs of the Vatican, but in a field, probably right next to a small town. Because it was normal of people in this day because they didn't have banks, that when a marauding army would come through, as often happened, they would want to hide their possessions, and so they would go and bury them out in a field near their house. So it was not uncommon to find a lost, forgotten treasure because the marauding army killed the guy who buried it. You see, the first principle of spiritual treasure is this. Spiritual treasure is found in the ordinary. It's found in the ordinary. Three observations about that real quickly. First, it's found in ordinary people. Remember 1 Corinthians 1.26 says this, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the world. Not many were powerful. Not many of noble birth. See, God has chosen ordinary people to give his treasure to. The wise and the rich and the noble birth, they often so often think that they already have treasure. And so God comes to give his greatest treasure to those people who will value it the most. You see, you do not have to be somebody to get God's attention. You do not need to be famous or you do not have to prove yourself to get God's attention. You don't have to be powerful or successful or attractive or speak well or be born into the right family. All you have to do is want it. See, spiritual treasure comes to ordinary people. And that is really good news for us this morning because as I look out here, I see a bunch of ordinary people. 
And so this treasure is for you and me. It comes not just to ordinary people, but it comes through an ordinary man, through an ordinary message. When Jesus came to earth, he did not come as a king or a prince. He did not come to be born in a wealthy family. He did not come with power as a warlord or anything like that. He didn't even come attractive. The Bible tells us that he was not even good to look at. He comes instead as a poor, ordinary man. And he dies on a cross, which is the way the Romans killed poor people. And his message is one that so many lost people and us ourselves have heard millions of times, and yet we think, or lost people sometimes think, there is no way that this ordinary, simple message could change my life. There is no way that this story about uh, uh, this guy who came and lived, who claimed to be God and died on a cross and was raised from the dead, there's no way that message of forgiveness of sins could change my life. It's too simple. It's too ordinary. Our culture has become inoculated with the gospel. Statistics tell us that someone has to hear the gospel 16 times before they believe it. Because deep down we think there's no way that this simple, ordinary message could change my life. We think we gotta work hard. We think we gotta discover. We gotta get on the move. We gotta find the right diet. We gotta make the right life change. We gotta find the right guru. We gotta go on the right journey. We gotta do something to change us. And then after we do all this work, then we'll find the treasure. We think innately that treasure is hard to find, and only those who work the hardest, search the longest, or just get lucky enough are the ones who actually find it. But God instead delights to give freely his treasure to in ordinary ways to ordinary people for those who long for it. Brings me to my second point. God's treasure comes in ordinary ways, ordinary people, but to those who find it, it is by no means ordinary. This treasure comes to ordinary means, but it is by no means an ordinary treasure. So this guy in this parable, he finds the treasure buried in a field. And the Jews had clear laws for, what it, for when you find stuff. The Jews' law was finders keepers, losers weepers. That's very clear. You find it, it's yours. But the Jews were under Roman occupation, and the Romans had a different law. And it was a little bit more gray. It was a little bit more speculation. And so this man, when he finds a treasure in the field, he digs it up. He can't just take it with him because someone else might lay claim to it. And so if he wants to keep it, if it's valuable enough to keep, there's only one course of action that guarantees he will get the treasure. He must buy the field. And so this man, by all accounts, who is who is poor, he goes home and he, he gathers all his belongings. He goes under the mattress and gets the cash he's been hiding under there. He goes and he sells all of his things. He sells his house. He sells everything. He gets all this money and he goes and he buys the field so that he might secure the treasure hidden underneath. Now you can imagine this man finding this treasure. And let's just imagine for a minute that the treasure is worth a billion dollars. And as he runs home to sell everything he has, can you imagine him going, oh man, I don't want to get rid of my CD collection. I've had that for a long time. Oh, man, I don't want to get rid of that old truck. I love that old truck. Oh, man, I don't want to get rid of, get rid of that quilt. I love that old quilt. 
But can you imagine the absurdity of finding a treasure worth billions of dollars and not being willing to part with things in your house to buy it? But really, it's like this. Really, it's more like, imagine you've been diagnosed with, a, with, with a, some kind of sickness that, and the doctor tells you you have days to live. But then he comes and he says, but listen, there's one medicine that if you take it right now, you'll be 100% cured, but it will cost you everything you own. Okay, let's pay it. I'll go sell everything, right? It's worth it to save my life. Who in the right mind would sit and consider whether or not to sell some things to buy a medicine that would save you? Here's the point. Jesus, knowing Jesus, is worth everything. Jesus is priceless. Knowing him is priceless. He's worth everything. It truly is. If it costs you material possessions to follow Jesus, it's worth it. If it costs you relationships with friends to follow Jesus, it's worth it. If it even costs you family members to follow Jesus, it's worth it. Can't tell you how many stories I've heard and even connected to some friends of ours in our church here where this has happened, where somebody, uh, usually from another country, but not always, believe in Jesus and they come to their parents and they say mom dad I want to be baptized I want to follow Jesus and I want you to support me and their dad look at them in the eyes and he says if you get baptized you are no son of mine get out of here but to lose family is worth it if it means in the end you get Jesus he is worth Everything. Matthew 19, 29 says, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. As difficult as some of those things may be, Jesus, the treasure, is worth it. He is worth losing everything for. Think about the disciples who not only gave him their whole life and left their home to follow him, but in the end, gave their lives. Each one of them executed believing and following Jesus, and it was worth it to know him. I love the way Paul says this in Philippians 3.8 when he says, I also everything to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because, because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them filth that I may gain Christ. The second parable we read was the pearl, uh, about this guy who's a pearl merchant, which means unlike our first guy, this guy's got a little bit of money. And as he is searching for the best pearl, he finds the pearl to end all pearls, and it's so beautiful and so elegant, he goes and still sells everything he has to get that pearl. You see, spiritual treasure is so valuable. Knowing Jesus is so valuable. It would change your life so drastically that it's worth everything you have. And it's been right in front of you the whole time. It's an ordinary, simple message. But once you see it, once you understand it, once you taste it, there's no going back. There's no price too high to pay to get it. Because this treasure is worth everything. But here's the last question we need to ask. We know that comes... In the ordinary, in ordinary ways to ordinary people, we know that it's incredibly valuable, it's priceless, it's worth everything, but now, how do you know if you get it? Can't give you five steps to a better life. I can tell you that it's right beneath the service, spiritual treasure is right here, but how do you know if you have it? 
when this guy goes and he sells everything he has, what do you think the people watching him did? Can you, can't you imagine them standing out on the streets looking saying, what is old Joe doing? I can't believe old Joe went and sold everything he had to buy that old stinking field. I mean, that field's got rocks in it, and it's healy. You can't build a house on it. Nothing will grow there. I tried to grow stuff there. Well, nothing will grow there. That field is worthless. Why would he go pay this price for that field? And it looks absurd. It looks crazy. It looks wild. Why would you do that? But it's because they don't know what's underneath. The message looks silly. Believing and following Jesus looks strange to the world, but it's because they do not know what's underneath. They don't know what the message holds. The old Joe knows that the field is worth nothing, but the treasure under, hidden, is worth everything. And so the text tells us, in his joy, he went to sell everything he had to buy that field. You see, for old Joe, it wasn't hard. It wasn't a, there was no cost-benefit analysis. Well, you know, I got this treasure, but man, I got that CD collection. There was no wondering. In his mind, it was so short. Duh, I got to do this. It makes perfect sense. But not just in his head, but in his heart. Because he says, it goes, he goes to sell it with joy. It goes to sell it with joy. It means not only does his mind been changed, but his heart's been changed. It wasn't a difficult decision to leave everything else behind to get Jesus, to get this treasure. You see, here's how you know you have received spiritual truth. The world will think you are strange or even crazy when they see how you, with joy, no longer value the things that are so important to them, but instead put infinite value on knowing Christ. See, when the world looks at us and they say, why do they value these things? Why do they get up early to gather together to sing? Why, why do they generously give up the things they've worked hard for to help other people? Why do, why do they forgive so easily? Why are they so weird and different? And strange? Why do they value these things? See, when you have this treasure, it changes you, and the world doesn't understand it. They look at you, and it doesn't make sense to them because you have joy and you do things that they don't value and so they don't get it. But that is precisely how you know you found it. That's the way you know you found this treasure. Because with joy, you say everything else is worthless as long as I get him. And the world looks at you like, what? That's how you know you got it. You see, this treasure, it doesn't just boost your confidence. It doesn't just give you more energy. It doesn't just make you temporarily happy. It is not just a minor upgrade. The treasure completely changes you from the inside out. It remakes you and it transforms you. It's the kind of treasure that once you see it, once you taste it, you'll pay any price to get it. So let me close by asking this question. If something is only as valuable as someone else is willing to pay for it, then how valuable is Jesus to you? What is Jesus worth to you? What price would be too high for you to pay? Or what is it that if you had to lose it would make you pause in deciding whether or not Jesus was worth it? What is it? See, here's the beautiful thing. Here's what we learn in the end. We learn that Jesus himself gave up everything to get you his treasure. 
Jesus left glory and honor and power and riches and fame. He left infinite wealth to get his true treasure, which was to get you. And when you understand that, that you were worth him coming to live an ordinary life and to die a horrific death so that he could get you as his children, when you get that, you understand that he is indeed the only treasure worth living for. Right in front of you is an ordinary field, an ordinary church, she didn't amen. But if you dig a little beneath the surface, you will find riches beyond your wildest dreams. Because this mess beneath the message is no ordinary treasure. The treasure of Jesus is no ordinary treasure. He is the treasure. We will find that we will never be the same. You want to find spiritual treasure? Stop. It's been under your nose the whole time. Give me Jesus. It's all I'll ever need. Thankful for your kindness and goodness to us. We're thankful that we get to meet all back together here again. Lord, it has waned on our hearts and souls to be apart from one another. God, this morning, would you remind us that of all the things we have, they are mine, but help us to give up everything that we might know you. God, would you help us to see this morning, I pray that you would soften their heart so that for the first time they would believe and trust in you. God, you're good and we love you. In Christ's name we pray all people said, amen.